It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am your host, and well, it's always an exciting thing for me to be with you on WTSM 97.9, your sports monster from 6 to 7 on Sunday mornings, where we talk about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well. We just talk about the church and what God is doing in his glorious kingdom. This is show number 1029 today. I do have a few rules. We don't talk sports, politics, or doctrine, but we do always Speak well of one another, and I'm just privileged today to have uh, Pastor Eli Hendricks from uh, Lifeway Church right here in the capital city of Florida. And Brother Hendricks, I believe this is your first time to be on the show. I believe it is too, Jack. And it's an honor. Thank you, you very you know, much for inviting me. And that's kind of rare. <laughs> Because <laughs> people like to come back sometimes, and you have to have you back sometime. Absolutely, whenever you need me. Lifeway Church, uh, right now you're meeting in the uh, Covenant Community uh, School there on Care Forest Parkway in Tallahassee. And how long have you been there? We've been there for about four years. Four years. Got a great relationship with them. Beautiful auditorium. Yeah. Um, phenomenal children's ministry, um, nursery, and as well as probably the best praise and worship, I believe, in this side of heaven. Really? Wonderful. Yeah, I remember when the, the Covenant Community Church actually built that building. And, of course, they they moved down Abandonment Road and changed the name of the church. And uh, But the school remained there. That's right. And so that auditorium is just there for somebody to use. And I'm glad you are. Absolutely. And, uh, so now you started the church. Yep. In 2007. 2007. And uh, what, what prompted you to do such a thing? You know, I was in a season of my life, Jack, where uh, I was a part of a mega church. I was the executive pastor. We had 17 pastors and 143 employees on staff. And I knew that I was in a season of change, a season of transition. And um, the church that I was at, um, I kept telling them that they needed to hire a CFO because we had a very large budget (laughs) and they had me in charge of the budget. And I told them, I said, my heart is people. It's always Uh, been people. Right. And I told them, I said, you need to hire a CFO. And so at that point, I volunteered my salary in my position. I said, you know, we've got plenty of pastors on staff. I can take my pastoral responsibilities and delegate those things out. And you can hire a CFO and use my salary to be able to pay that. And we transitioned on April 1st, 2007. And huh. so from there, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. So my wife and I took a couple weeks. We just sought the Lord. You know, it's important to be able to seek the Lord oh, when you're in a time of yeah. transition inside of your life. Yeah. And after two weeks of just praying and fasting and shutting off the phone, because, you know, sometimes your friends want to call and tell you what you need to do. <laughs> so we shut off the phone, and the Lord spoke to our heart about starting Lifeway. Wow. And it's been just a wonderful ride ever since huh. then. And so did you, you didn't start where you are. Where, where did you start the church at? So we were at Gilcrest um, Elementary School there on Timberlane Road, and we were there for about a year and a half. Uh-huh. Um, I remember our setup committee, they used to want to put carpets out and put some, some, some padding on the pews and put some plants out, and I told them absolutely not. And they were like, Pastor, why not? We need to decorate this place a little bit. And I said, no, because we're not going to be here long. <laughs> and so we moved out to Bannerman Road. We um, had a building on Bannerman and Bull Headley. Okay. And a beautiful auditorium that sat back in there, 10,000 square foot facility. And, um, and that's where God began to cause oh. our congregation to grow. Okay. And we sold that about four years ago to a congregation that wanted brick and mortar. My heart and my passion is people uh-huh. and it's, it's um, missions. And, and I was finding that we were putting almost every dime into that building. In seven years, we put $750,000 into that building just in upkeep. You know, it's, it's costly to be able to have a building. Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> and so um, we had a, a, another congregation that they wanted brick and mortar. They yeah. wanted a place they could call their own. Yeah. And so we flip-flopped with them. They were leasing Community Christians Auditorium. Oh, really? Yep. And so I told them, I said, I'll tell you what, you can have what we yeah. have, and we'll have what you have. Yeah. And it's been a great ride. That, that was a, Tom Underwood? Is that it the, was Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know Tom. And I, I, th- I thought that was a building you were talking about there. Yeah. Yeah. So well, you know, points right now currently in that facility. Yeah, God knows about all that sort of thing. And he knows, he knows what how to fit it all together. It's amazing how he manages his kingdom. He does a pretty good job, I, I think. It's, it's not, that's my. Uh, if we can just learn to trust him, it's amazing <laughs> oh, what he can do. 
preach to me, brother. <laughs> that's a that's a tough chore sometimes because this old human heart wants to get in there and, right. uh, and do things. But uh, so, how do you go about doing this? You you say, so, okay, God's called me to start a church. So, what do you do? Well, we did everything um, unconventionally. Uh-huh. You know, um, church growth experts will tell you that you need to be able to get a starting group and you need to be able to meet inside of your house and you um, you build that group to a certain um, um, level before you start. Well, we didn't do that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I, I knew what it was like to be able to build a church and I knew what it would take to build a church. But I really felt as my wife and I were praying that God wanted to build a church unlike no other. You know, I've been a part of some program oriented churches, mm-hmm. but Lifeway is a presence oriented church. It's a place where the spirit of God is honored, a place where the spirit of God moves, a place where God touches his people. And I learned a long time ago, Jack, that if I can just let God be God, he can do a whole lot more in somebody's life than I can ever do. Amen. And so that's how we got started. And uh, we started just within just a few weeks. I had a a local businessman here in town, took me to lunch and he said, he said, you know, I've been praying for you and I just want to know what you feel like God is calling you to do. And I said, well, it's kind of interesting that you say that because my wife and I, we've been praying and fasting. We feel like that the Lord wants us to be able to start a church. And he turned to me and he said, that sounds good to me and the Holy Ghost. And he handed me a check for $5,000. Wow. And he said, you know, and, every, and once we got started every single week, he was there and dropping a, a, a check in the offering plate for $1,500 every single week. Wow. Until we began to grow numerically. Then once we got to a certain place, he turned to me one day and he said, it looks like you got it. <laughs> you know that guy Jack has started over 30 churches is that right inside this region and that's what God's called him to do he has to. Yeah. And, and, I, and thank God that he's got the resources that the Lord has provided absolutely <laughs> I told him I said you know you're a true apostle yeah. and many many pastors get frustrated because they get so accustomed to your money um, but you know I'm so thankful that the Lord brought you into my life at the time when, when sure. he was ready to be able to launch Amen. so let's go back in the history a little bit and kind of kind of bring you up to or bring us up to speed about your life and your calling in life I mean were, were you raised in a church as a believer or what happened in, in- I, I was I had a drug problem my parents drug me to church every single Sunday <laughs> yeah. and um, but it was only in 1985 I was um, 21 years old that the Lord um, truly I truly was saved mm-hmm. I was laying in bed one Sunday morning living on Fort Lauderdale Beach with a young lady a block off the beach in a beautiful condo and um, I was laying there one, one Saturday morning, and it was almost like I had an open vision. I began to see how self-centered my life was and, and how everything revolved around me. And because I was raised in a church, I decided I would go back to church. So I tried some mainline denominational churches I went to, and they really didn't do anything for me. And I had a good friend of mine that pitched for the Boston Red Sox, went all the way to the big leagues. And I remember he grew up in church. I knew he grew up in a Pentecostal church. And so I called his mom and I said, hey, you guys still going to church? And she was like, um, yeah. And I, I turned and I said, well, I'm going to go to church with you on Sunday. This was a Monday. And she turned and she said, why don't you come over for dinner tonight? And so I went over to their house for dinner, stayed there for four hours. And every question I had, it was like the Lord was downloading the answer to them. Well, I left that evening. and She said, what are you doing for dinner tomorrow night? Every night that week, Jack, I went over huh. to their house for dinner. And that Sunday morning, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. So she was preparing you. (laughs) You know what's amazing? She worked. She was a guidance counselor at a school in Fort Lauderdale. And I found out later that she had led over a thousand students to Christ over her career of over 35 years. Wow. Wow. And the Lord just had her placed um, specifically for a time such as this. So during that week, she's just allowing you to ask the questions and and kind of setting the stage for what you're going to experience when you come to church on Sunday. Absolutely. <laughs> that's a yeah. that's a great thing. It really is. And thank yeah. God for her because you think of the ripple effect of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, her her understanding, her patience, her willingness to 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 do this. Because I mean, she's going to work every day. Let I mean, me back up a little bit, Paul Harvey, and tell you the rest of the story. All right. So when I was 13 years old, I grew up with her boys. She had two boys, and both we we all were incredible athletes. But when I was 13 years old, uh, I was introduced to a thing called alcohol. Oh. And at the time, I was I was a rather big kid, and down in Fort Lauderdale, they had a, a bar that was on Fort Lauderdale Beach called the Button. And every Sunday afternoon at three o'clock, they'd give away a free keg. And I knew all the bartenders, so at 13 years of age, I would go in there on a Sunday afternoon. They'd pull me behind the bar and put a T-shirt on me, and I'd pour that keg. And I would drink, you know, as much as I wanted to be able to drink. Well, I walk out of that bar on a Sunday afternoon about 5.30, and coming down the sidewalk is this woman. Her and one of her girlfriends were down there feeding the homeless, praying for the homeless. 
and I could hardly put two words together. I found out later, Jack, that she went around the corner and put me and four other guys in the hand of Almighty God, said, Lord, if you don't save these boys, they're going to kill themselves. To this day, all five of us are serving the Lord. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> so the Lord gave her the joy wow. of being the one that led me to the Lord. And so when you called her, she said, Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I love I, I, that. I think there that, was probably not too many days that passed that she was not praying for me until that point. Wow. Yeah. God is so good. So even though you had grown up in church, this alcohol thing, it raised his ugly head, which it does. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, uh, and I say this to young people all the time, is it that first choice, making that first wrong choice. That's right. If somehow or another we could, we could be there and, uh, and stop that first wrong choice. But the, unfortunately, young people don't see that. That's right. And they don't see where it's going to lead. But praise God, he intervened. And he broke the cycle. Thank God for that. And Amen. so, and so, uh, after you gave your heart to Christ, and, and, you, and you said 24, 20, 21 years old? 21. 21. What happened after that? So, I was working for UPS at the time, jumping in and out of a package car, making deliveries all day long. And when I gave my life to the Lord, one of the elders of the church um, got my contact information. And so, he started calling me. And I'd come home at night. And back then, they had um, um, family home Bible studies. And so I'd come home on a Monday night and my phone would ring and there would be Bob. And Bob would say, hey, Eli, how was your day today? Bob, man, it was great. He said, man, what are you going to do tonight? Well, Bob, I think I'm pretty tired. I'm going to stay home and just relax tonight. He'd say, good. I'll be over in about 10 minutes to pick you up. We're going to Bible study. <laughs> and he would take me to Bible study. And guess what, Persistence. Jack? I, I would go every night of the week. Uh, they had him at different houses. Yeah. And then they had a midweek service there at the church. And I was growing by leaps and bounds. I'll, I'll never forget. I was three months old in the Lord. And I was at a Bible study and somebody was, was asking a question. I raised my hand and I gave an answer. And afterwards, one of the guys said, Eli, how long have you been saved? And I said, three months. And they said, are you kidding me? And it was because I was being just immersed in the word of God. Wow. Wow. And so at the time I was working for UPS and I was on a fast track management program with them. And, and doors were swinging wide open for me. And the Lord began to tug at my heart to leave UPS and yield to the ministry. Huh. And, um, and so that, that moved me to, um, to North Florida. My parents had gone out to California. I was living with my parents at the time. They'd gone out to California, and they came back and announced to the whole family that they were moving to Tallahassee. For and what? Just They loved North Florida. They wanted to get oh. out of South Florida. Huh. And so my father, when I, I finally convinced him I was leaving UPS, he begged me not to do it. Huh. You know, every dad wants to see their kids achieve financially. <laughs> And so, but when he finally realized that he couldn't talk me out of it, he said, why don't you go to Florida State and you can live at home with your mom and I, it'll reduce your overhead and you can get your college education. So I said, okay, I came up here, went to Florida State for one semester and I was like, there's no way I can plug into the, the um, theological department at Florida State. It's not what I was looking for. Uh -huh. And so that's when the Lord led me to a Bible college, but I commuted back and forth from, um, from Tallahassee. And that was the, the school of Graceville that you were telling me about. It was. So at what age were you by that time? I was 27. 27. Yeah. And uh, so were you working at that time? Still? I was. So because of my UPS background, I came in and ran an overnight freight company here in town called Airborne Express. Okay. So um, I would I would run the, the morning shift and go to class in the afternoon. And then when my, my hours didn't work accordingly, I would I would uh, work the afternoon shift and take some classes in the morning. Okay. And so but once you started going to Graceville, did you, did you go over there and stay or did you drive back and forth every day? I would drive back and forth every day. Every day? Yeah. Was and it about 90? 90, 90 miles each way. 90 miles. Oh, wow, yes. that's a lot of driving. It was. It was. <laughs> you were going to school in the daytime. I was. Okay. And, and so, you know, the Lord's got a way of setting us all up. Yeah. So, so when I was working for Airborne Express, that was a franchise. And they sold to a gentleman in Birmingham, and he brought in his whole management company. And so, all of a sudden, I found myself without a job. And at the same time, the Lord had brought a young lady into my life, who's now my wife. And, um, and so we were, um, were seeing each other. I had asked her to marry me, and we were to be married just in a few weeks after I had lost my job. And so um, the Lord opened up an opportunity for me to work for a local company, um, and, and they gave me the flexibility of the days. So if I took classes over there on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'd work for him on Tuesday and Thursday. If I took classes on Tuesday and Thursday, I'd work for him on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I was an outside salesman for him. I see. And I'm assuming she must have had a job to help sustain you through that. <laughs> as long as I've known her, she's but, been a hairdresser but, here but, in town. But yet, she'll marry somebody that has no job. My wife did the same thing. 
I was in a in Pensacola. I'd gotten out of the Navy, and, and uh, the church I was attending, which is the Open Bible Church, didn't have a pastor at the time. Okay. And so they said, well, we'll pay you when you when you preach on Sunday morning. It wasn't much, and but I was literally doing the work of the ministry, just wasn't making much money doing it, but she married me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, and we've been married 43 years. I think it'll work, Absolutely. but, but uh, who knows <laughs> about all the sort of thing. So your wife is, is a hairdresser. She is. And that's, well, that's, uh, you said pretty good business. My, it is. I have a daughter that does that. She's, she's done pretty well. <laughs> so, but she's also one of our worship leaders. So I tell people all the time that I got a problem at the church because I'm sleeping with my worship leader. Oh, well, we got to, <laughs> I think in this case, <laughs> So I'm assuming that when you uh, met her, she was already saved. She was. She was. Yeah. And so, but by this time, as you say, you were growing leaps and bounds in your in your walk and your faith. That's right. And so, uh, you meet her at church. We did the first Sunday I was here. The church that I attended, which wound up being the church that I came on staff at, she was there. Okay. And you know what's amazing, Jack, is that she was dating somebody else at the time. Oh, yeah. That's what it always is. Yeah. Yep. And I had a roommate. He asked me, he, you know, because the church had a large college ministry. And so he said, do you see any girls here that you're interested in? in? And I turned and I said, yeah. I said, there's one, but she's dating somebody. And he immediately turned. He said, that's Kelly, isn't it? <laughs> and I, I said, yes, it is. He said, I don't know what it is, but I can just, I can see it. I can see both of you two. You guys are like passionate. Wow. And so she wound up getting into a little conflict with a guy that she was dating, and and they broke up, and it didn't take me long yeah. to be able to swoop in and go Absolutely. And get a hold of her. <laughs> uh, very similar situation. Yes, got to deal with that boyfriend. Got to get him out of the way. So we started dating in December. I asked her to marry me in April. We were married in October. Wow. wow. And it's been 30 years. So you went on staff at, at this church. We did. And how long did that? Did you do that? I was on staff there for 13 years. Oh, really? So I started off in their youth ministry, and um, – had a very a lot of success in youth ministry. I thought I was never going to leave youth ministry. You know what I love about youth is that they are resilient. Oh yeah, and um, and, and you know and they're open, and so you know they might get their feelings hurt, but they're not going to take their toys and go home. You know they're, they're moldable. Yeah, and so for thirteen years we had great success in 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 youth. Yeah, I, I love the fact that there there are a lot of people who. They they're called to do youth, and and they don't they don't see moving in, into another position. This is this is their calling, and I I know young men and and young women. That's that's what they do, right. and and they they don't plan to someday become a senior pastor. And like this is their calling is youth. Thank God for them because uh, we boy, we we need it. <laughs> I mean, we really do. I mean, to me, uh, that's a, a very serious problem in the church today. It is. It's reaching the young people. And, of course, so many of our smaller churches, you just don't have any young people in them at all. Right. And uh, I just see that as a, as a tremendous problem for the church as such. And then when you read about the statistics of how many young people were keeping in the church, that scares me. And, Absolutely. Uh, and uh, and I, I don't even want to say the statistics because it changes from time to time. But it's a very small percent for what I understand of young people who grow up in churches that actually stay in the church when they become an adult. Well, you know, when I was in youth ministry, we were very presence oriented back then. At one point, our youth ministry had grown to almost 300 kids. Wow. And it was, it was amazing. We would have um, Wednesday night services. We'd have Friday night services. We would have Sunday morning Sunday school class and then Sunday night discipleship. And they would be packed with kids. Parents would come on Wednesday night to be able to pick up their kids after leaving the adult <laughs> service. And Jack, sometimes they'd wait outside for 30 minutes. Wow. Because wow. their kids would be down at the altar weeping before the Lord. And we're serious about growing in their relationship right. with God. Yeah. We took, when, when, when I was at Christian Heritage, we took a map and we drew a, a, a circle, a mile circle completely around that church. And in a three-year period, we knocked on every door within a mile circle of wow. that church. The youth wow. did. And, and they would turn and they would knock on the door and, and they would say, you know, Mr. King, um, we're, we're from the youth at Christian Heritage and we have a prayer ministry. We just want to see, does any of our neighbors have any prayer requests? Is there anything we can pray for you or your family about? And, um, and if you gave us a prayer request, we would come back a couple weeks later to check on you to see how things were going. It got so crazy, Jack, that, that we would have neighbors. We'd knock on their doors and they would say, let me guess, you guys are from Christian Heritage. <laughs> and we would turn and say, well, how did you know that? Uh, they said, well, because you knocked on our, our friend's house two blocks over three weeks ago and they were telling us about it. And it just changed their yeah, life. 
Yeah. And when you get kids that are on fire for God and they begin to experience God, I'm not talking about just a program. I'm not talking about just a youth group, Mm -hmm. but they begin to experience that they have purpose. They have passion that the creator of the universe put something inside their DNA. And when they start connecting with that, I'm going to tell you something. You can't hold them back. The thing about these young people is they will be bold. (laughs) They will. And and you know what I've learned about the generation today is they don't want to hear the stories of old. Mm -hmm. They want to experience it. Yeah. You know, I've got a couple boys myself and they're really big into gaming. And they want to experience, they want hands-on. You know, they, they, if, you, if you talk about the power of God, they want to experience the power mm-hmm. of God. They want to experience the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. Not just have somebody give them a topic like a school teacher. Wow. Yeah. And the thing is that once they do, then it, it sparks something. I it mean, does. if you get one young person that really gets a fire going in them, oh, yeah. they, could, they could be evangelistic. I mean, it's amazing. And I've seen this happen before where all of a sudden that the they just tell that they don't have any reservations about it. Yeah. They'll just tell. And it's it's a powerful thing. But sometimes you have to fight the, the devil to get yeah, to get through. Absolutely. Because he knows <laughs> see the, the devil knows the the potential yeah. that's there. Yeah. And so he's gonna do everything he can to stop it and block it. But if you if you pray through it and you reach him, then Boy, I tell you what, things can happen. <laughs> you know, probably 60% of the kids that we had never came to our church. Uh, or excuse, let me back up. I said that wrong. 60% of the kids that we had, their parents never came to our church. Right, right. And for many of those kids, they were in, um, in, in trouble. We had several that went to second chance schools here in town. And those kids started patrolling one another. They would turn and say, don't disrespect Pastor Eli. And as a result, you know, um, kids... 10% of, of, of the crowd influences the other 90%. Oh, yeah. And I've learned sure. if you could reach those 10% that are leaders, all of a sudden the other 90% will listen. Absolutely. And they'll begin to follow one another. And all of a sudden now, because that 10% is being touched, now the Spirit of God is reaching the other 90%. But eventually, you moved into different areas of leadership in the church. I did. And, and, and once you left the, the youth ministry, did things continue? Did it, had did. The success? it did. I did. I had a great successor, you know, Todd Jackson, that yeah. you know. Did a phenomenal job with those kids, and, okay. and, and you know those kids even to this day, um, he'll see them out and about, and, and many of them are still in full time ministry. It's amazing how many of them today are are worship leaders, children's pastors, youth pastors, senior pastors, um, all over the city. I could, I could start naming you that, church that, after church. That after ripple church effect. That came, that I love the ripple that, effect. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you're right. That that ripple effect is is tremendous. Yeah. And you think about the ones that not, that they touched, and then the people that they touched, and the ones they touched, and it just continues on and on and on. Amen. When you have those great moves of God like that, yeah. thank God for it. But now you moved into other areas of the church. Well, what, where did God move you from there? So at the time, our, our senior pastor, um, his wife was, was um, failing in health. And so I found myself on a Sunday morning at 830. My phone would ring tell, telling me, hey, you got to preach this morning. Okay. And so um, his last year, I preached 23 Sundays. Okay. And I, I started to find that the influence with, this, with the adults began to change. And my Sunday morning messages became became very impactful uh-huh. and so i knew that there was an open door that was opening there so they immediately moved me into an associate role and then when he wound up retiring i was the interim pastor until they hired a new senior pastor and then i became the executive pastor okay okay yeah and i remember a lot of those transitions you're talking about there and uh, uh last time i saw brother shelley was at a funeral yeah. and he was talking about his wife was was uh um, when she was ill at that time, and, and yeah. of course, all those things affects. I mean, when you're you're dealing with something like that, and you're pastor of a church, it's going to affect the church. That's just all there is to it. Absolutely. And uh, but thank God you were there. Amen. <laughs> the, Lord, the Lord used you, and then uh, so it was after the the new pastor came in that the church. Well, first of all, you changed locations, the, the building. Not right away. Yeah. So we had 305 people that voted him in. And immediately the church began to, to grow. We started doing outreaches. We, outreaches. we called them random acts of kindness to where we would take a pickup truck, load it up in the back of it with water and, 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 and go into a busy intersection and give away cold bottles of water. No strings attached. God loves you. We love you. If there's ever anything you need, we're here for you. It's like a cold bottle of water on a hot summer's day. Sure. News medias were out there. They had never seen anything like that. And, and all of a sudden things began to boom. We went from one service in a sanctuary that held 800 to two services to three services 
then all of a sudden, you know, we couldn't go to a four service. We were killing our staff. Uh-huh. So we had to find something bigger. And that's when we moved into the Walker Mall Shopping Center. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I was out there for the uh, Gaither Vocal Band here a few weeks ago. And I was telling somebody that didn't know. I said, this is the old Walker Mall store. I said, well, that's that's how you know that you've been in Tallahassee for a while when you can say Walker Mall. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and to think that that was just one store. I mean, it was just one huge store. Yeah. And um, I asked my wife, I said, hey, did you come here when it was a Waccamaw? She said, oh, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I said, did I ever go in? I don't think I did. But I understand they sold pots, uh, clay pots, uh, a lot of you know, stuff for your garden. and Real similar what, probably to a home goods today. Which I have no idea what that is either. Yeah, so, so, I mean, they have a wide variety yeah. of a lot of different things. But it was inside. one store, that big, huge building. 75,000 square foot. Wow. Yeah. And so, you all bought it. And you not only bought the store, you bought the whole shopping center. We did. We and did. Uh, now, who was the brainchild behind that? <laughs> well, the whole thing was up for sale. So, they wouldn't sell just the box. Uh-huh. They, they, you had to be able to buy the whole thing. The box, which means the Waccamaw store. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um um, there was a, a billiard place over there called Pocket Pools. So we were the first church to own a bar. <laughs> and I'll tell you yeah, what. Yeah, that's, that's all the way down we, to the we, other we end. We caught it. all kinds of flack for that. <laughs> I bet but, you did. But, but we went in there. We had a five-month window to build out that building. And, you know, most um, stores that you go into, if you go to local Costco or Sam's here in town, you know that they've got um, columns that are there supporting the roof. Well, that doesn't make real good for a sanctuary. So we had to remove those columns. So we had a, a structural engineer here in town design a GERD system um, that, that suspends that roof from above. So if you ever drive down Sherrill Road, you'll see a, a mammoth um, um, steel structure on top of that roof, and that's what's suspending that roof. From really? Above. Yep. And so um, we began to cut that thing up in five months. We had a crew that was running um, 24 hours a day for five months. I remember one time I actually had uh, a janitor. He was a janitor for the Christian. I actually had him here on the radio because he was telling me about this whole thing, getting the shelves out of there. Just, just cutting those shelves out was a huge yeah, job. It was. And he talked about he was in the, and there was no air conditioning for some reason. No, they were in there, and they, he just said, he said, literally, we would go outside and just, just lay down <laughs> because we would just be so exhausted from working in there. And this, just that particular aspect of it, how big a job that was, just cut those shelves off. I guess they were anchored to the, to the floor, I suppose. Yeah. And just getting those out of there was was a big deal. It was. But now you go in there. I mean, it's, I mean, you got these big halls. Always, and uh, yep. uh, of course, that sanctuary. How, how many were that seat now? I don't know what their capacity is now because they've removed some seats. But back then, we were about twenty two hundred. Yeah, yeah, and that was just like I said, just one store. Right. And then the, the youth room is huge. And I've not been in the whole thing, but I've been enough of it to to say, wow, this this is amazing. So we we actually developed out a state of the art daycare facility children's facility youth facility college facility we had dance studios inside of there we had a bible college <laughs> to where we had classrooms that were amphitheater style wow and um, all so of that in one out in, of one in, tour in, building in one building it was amazing <laughs> and i don't know how long that the Waccamaw was actually in existence as far as a store uh, maybe 10 years or something like that but i mean they they came in when the shopping center was built right and then like i say it I, and I'd imagine that they were probably like the anchor store, you know, of, of that shopping center. So when they left, uh, it was probably hard times for the shopping center from that point on. Because you you go down through there, and you say, well, the little different little buildings. Of course, there's the, the movies eight. Uh, they were selling. Uh, I think the movies were a dollar. They were back in those days. Yeah. So like Maybe fifty cents. Yeah. Then you got <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese down there. Right. But. Uh, like I said, when you take the anchor store out, it's just like when a Publix leaves a shopping center or something like that. That's that's a hard thing for those shopping centers to survive all of that. And so it was an opportune time for the church to go in and, and buy the property. And then I know that uh, the building out there on, t- uh, on Monroe Street, Abundant Life, uh, bought it. Um, yeah, Pastor Larry Miller. Pastor Larry Miller. And then, then he ended up selling it, I guess, back to bro- Brother Ledford. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've thought about that. I said, well, we just play a lot of musical chairs around here. We do. We do. <laughs> Don't we? Because, because I'm, I'm 
pretty much familiar with a, this church was that church and that church was this church because I've been in Tallahassee 42 years. So, I, you know, and I, of course I observed that type of thing. Okay. And then of course also being in the radio like business like this, well, it's not a business for me, but anyway, uh, I've had a lot of pastors here and it's funny how musical chairs. <laughs> <laughs> We're moving around everywhere. Absolutely. But, uh, but the glory of the kingdom is such. So you were there. You witnessed the whole thing. You, you, you watched it grow. And uh, yeah, like I said, you were doing a lot of the staff work and that, that sort of thing. Now, when uh, Brother Ledford came in, now he's, a, he's different than Brother Shelley. But it didn't seem to matter, did it? It didn't. It didn't. You know, everybody has their own emphasis. You know, I, I loved my five years with, with, with um, Brother Shelley. Um, he instilled into me a love for Israel. Oh, yeah. So yeah, he was big on in, that. Yeah. You know, Bob Shelley's been to Israel almost 50 times, and I've been to Israel 29 times. I take that right? every single year. I've written wow. a book wow. that gives the biblical, the archaeological, and historical insight of every one of them cities. And so, um, and so but, but Richard came in with a totally different flair. And, um, but it was just, it was the right time and the right place. Mm-hmm. You know, people ask me at, at one point, George Barna flew um, me out to, to, to Dallas, Texas, to be able to meet with a roundtable discussion with 20 of the fastest churches, grown churches in the nation. And, um, and so they asked us, they said, how in the world have you grown from 305 to 7,000 in a little over three years? And, um, you know, they had some very large churches there, 20,000 plus, but it, most of them had taken 20 plus years to be able to grow that large. And I told him, I said, you know, we have a, a dynamic minister in, in the pulpit. But really what caused that growth was that we had people that were passionate in every area of ministry to where those that were working with our children, they were passionate about children's ministry and, and resourcing parents on how to raise godly children. The same thing with our, our youth ministry and our college ministry and our young adults and our senior adults. Every area was flourishing. We had a homeless ministry. And so at one point, Jack, we had 1,700 volunteers that's amazing. That we're just working to be able <laughs> just, to make the ministry. Happen. I can't even imagine how that even works. <laughs> it's, it's just, <laughs> well, you, you know what I've learned is that everybody has a passion. Uh-huh. And sometimes we plug bodies into holes yeah. instead of finding out what their passion is. Yeah. And if you can plug people into their passion, it's like the old adage that if you you love what you do, you'll never go to work a day in your life. Yeah. Same thing happens inside of yeah, churches. And I say this all the time. Uh, Passion drives successful ministry. You have to have uh, passion. And even if, if you're like a leader of a church and you have something going on in your church that's going well and you have some passionate leaders, if the people who follow don't have the same passion, it won't have the same success. That's right. But passion will drive it. And, of course, I think you found a lot of that even after Brother Ledford left because the church has gone through its struggles and that type of thing. Right. Because, like I say, the, when the passion leaves, not always – Sometimes churches make those transitions. That's correct, and and it'll it'll go right on. But unfortunately, too often it doesn't because uh, who knows why? Absolutely, <laughs> and I don't I don't know the answer to all that. All I know is that God uses His people, imperfect as we are. That's right. And and if we'll allow our passion to go, God will drive it. Yeah, and uh, you see these things happen, but then, but then again, I go back to the ripple effect. Even in the time when Christian heritage was as successful as it was, not to say that it's not now. I'm not trying to diminish not the church. A great church, but uh, I mean, there was a moment of time when this this was just incredible. The ripple effect of that, yeah. which what you're doing now. And then there are others. Uh, of course, Todd has a church now. There's probably more than I, that I'm not there even is. aware of. There is. In, in a, yeah. uh, um, uh, Brother Marshall. Marshall Oaks. Marshall Oaks, yeah, yeah. who's who's supposed to be on this radio show, and uh, he, he's never gotten here. We've got, we got to fix that. <laughs> he, so Marshall, seven feet tall, so you're going to have to be able to lift the roof. Oh, my goodness. In here, <laughs> ah, yeah, make sure you duck before you come in the door. <laughs> seven foot tall? Yeah. Was so he, was Marshall he, was in our youth ministry. Wow. Gave his life to the Lord at a summer camp. Is that right? Now, please tell me he's a basketball player. No. 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 But he's funny as all get out. I love Marshall Oaks. (laughs) Yeah. He was meeting down here at the Little Theater. Yeah. And uh, I sent him an invitation to come, and he just told me at that time he was just way too busy. Maybe that's changed, but now we'll we'll have to give this another shot. So there's a community center now off of Bannerman Road, almost to Meridian. I think that... um, Wildwood Presbyterian had bought some land that they're developing back then. There were some ball fields, but inside that community center where he, he meets on a Sunday morning. Okay. 
Yeah. He's, he's a wonderful pastor. Yeah, and uh, I, I know a pastor that ha- that has a school in that same facility there. So I'm, okay. I'm familiar. I, I've, I've not seen it, but I've heard of it. I know where it's at. So, so, and that's Canopy Road or Oaks or no, he's Oaks. Yeah. Sup, canopy something or another, isn't it? Well, there's a Canopy Roads Baptist Church on Bannum. Yeah. And I think could be Red Hills. Red Hills. Yeah. I think that's it. Okay. I think that's it. <laughs> and of course, the thing is, Ripple effect, ripple That's effect. It. You know, because now he's out there meeting meeting the needs in that community, and uh, uh, guys got the plan. And you know what's amazing to me is that to this day, I come in contact with people in this community that, that turn to me, Pastor Eli. It's good seeing you. And Jack, be honest with you, I don't even know who they are. Oh because yeah. Because when I came out of a church of seven thousand, you no know, way all you, you can see know is the masses. Yeah. But you know, when you get into a church with just you know less than than a couple hundred. You really begin to put some roots down, uh-huh. and there's something about churches that are community-driven that they begin to reach their community, yeah. and as a result, you start building a sense of family, and that's where you begin to grow in your faith. Yeah, and I've heard pastors who've told me, look, I don't want my church to be huge. I'd rather uh, go ahead and satellite and, yeah. and start other congregations, because there's something to be said for that, the the, the, the camaraderie of, of a smaller congregation, but but way I understand it, and you know this better than I is it, it, when you have a, a huge church, basically what you have is a whole bunch of little churches meeting corporate because nobody can know 7,000 people. Your your sense of influence is not that great. But whoever you're meeting with in your prayer groups, your cell groups, that becomes really your church. Right. I, am I right about that? 100%. Yeah, that, and I've heard that. I've not, I've not had, had the experience. You know what's amazing? Even when I had about 300 in our youth program, I'd have kids come up to me as they were adults saying, you know, you were the best youth pastor we ever had. And I would turn to them and say, oh, really? You know, um, how many of your ball games did I go to? Well, you didn't go to any of my ball games. Uh-huh. How many birthday parties did I attend? Uh-huh. And, and they would say, well, you didn't attend any of my birthday parties. I said, well, who did? Well, our discipleship leader did. Uh-huh. They're the ones that came to all my, my life events. And I said, no, your life was not impacted by the youth pastor, but by those discipleship leaders. But, but you were the one doing most of the teaching, right? It, it all depended. On Sunday mornings, we had it, we had life groups that were broken up with the kids with those discipleship leaders. Uh-huh. And so those are the ones that were building the relationships. Those are the ones that were calling them throughout the course of the week, just checking on them. Yeah. You know, listen, Sunday was a big day for you. How are you doing this week? Or how was your test this week? Whatever it, what right. it was. So they were building good dynamic relationships. But but I, well, I guess what I'm saying is that if they're listening to you speaking a, a good majority of the time, then you are having a relationship in their life. Correct. Even though you're not there for those events, you're you're influencing their lives because those words yep. <laughs> has, I mean, they're 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 weighty when they Absolutely. when you're giving direction in their lives through the, through the words that you're speaking. So that's probably what he was referring to. Was it, it was that? But uh, you're right. You cannot. There's no way that one person can can know. I think they say. Most people's sphere of influence is around 50 that you can actually remember names and have relationships with, which is the size of a lot of small churches. That's right. Who are meeting different places like that. And so I say, well, those have value too. Amen. <laughs> so Amen. You are tuned to the Gospel on the Radio talk show on WTSM 97.9, your sports monster. We're on Sunday mornings. As I say, we talk about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well, and sometimes play Southern Gospel music because Pastor King just kind of like. Pastor Eli says, what's your favorite thing to preach on? He says, mercy and grace. And I said, well, this will work. <laughs> yes, it will. That was wonderful. <laughs> you got to get a little dirt on your hands. That's right. And uh, well, anyway, I'm Pastor Jack King. I'm your host, and I'm also the pastor of Freedom Road Christian Ministry, 720 Capital Circle Northeast. We're in the uh, Crescent Park Plaza. We're right across the road from the federal prison. And we start at 11.05 on Sunday mornings. We love visitors. FRCM.US is the 
website there. I'm also the host of the Saturday Night Gospel Sing. If you like Southern Gospel music, you want to join me every Saturday night at 7 o'clock on 94.1 on your radio dial. I play the very, very best in Southern Gospel music. I'm also on 94.1 on uh, 11 o'clock Monday through Friday for a daily broadcast. And also I want to remind you of the youth camp that starts the 19th of July. It's a CYMI, Christian Youth Ministers International Youth Camp. We run two camps side by side, junior camp and senior camp. We go from age 8 to 12 for the junior camp. 12-year-olds can go senior or junior up to 18. And, um, well, I'm passionate about youth camp because I'm a product of it. I grew up going to youth camp. And I, I, I see... Uh, greatly influenced for my call to ministry to youth camp. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan, <laughs> really. So call me, or you can go to uh, Facebook. You can find us on Facebook, Christian Youth Ministers International. You can register there, or call me, 567-1703. That's my telephone, 850. Brother Eli Hendricks is my guest, uh, pastor of Lifeway Church. So, Brother Hendricks, what time do you start your services on Sunday? Sunday morning at 1030. 1030. Cary Forest Parkway. We meet in Auditorium of Community Christian School. Right there by the traffic light. On, That's correct. Uh, um, Veladere Road and... Uh, Care Forest. Beautiful auditorium. Right behind the Circle K. Yep. <laughs> I know it well. <laughs> I'm in there quite a bit. Yeah, it, it, I, like I said, I remember when the, it was built, the, the church that built it, uh, the school, and of course they've moved to a different location now. And um, you are inviting people to come. Absolutely. Now, do you have a website there? We do, lifewaycc.com. Well, lifewaycc.com. And uh, probably Facebook, too. Yeah. All those good things. <laughs> Trying to make contact with people. You know, we broadcast all of our services um, through social media. You can also find them on our website. Um, you know, for some churches, they look at such a negative of dealing with COVID. Um, but one of the things that I loved is that I believe it did not shut the church down, but it deployed the church. It enabled the church to be able to get outside the four walls. So we have people all over the world. That really? watch our services on Sunday mornings. And, and, we and have still a, do. Still do. Yeah. We have a family in England that has become a very large supporter. Is and, that right? Yeah. They sent me an email and they said, you know, you just don't realize how much your services have impacted our family. Huh. And, so and, and, and just think about that. I mean, because a lot of people were doing it at that time and they chose your church. There's something about your church that just really worked for them. Yep. That's an amazing thing. Absolutely. And of course, uh, uh, doing it well is important. And I have a feeling that you probably did. Yeah. And it goes back to that passion thing. You know, when we first started off, though, Jack, I mean, we didn't have a budget for it. You know, nobody saw COVID coming. Yeah. And so we were forced to be able to do it. When we first started off, I used my cell phone. Oh. And all I did was I took one of our monitors from our front stage, turned it around so that it was getting a good monitor feed um, um, it, through that microphone in the cell phone. We put it on a little tripod, and that's how we started. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know what? It worked. It worked for yeah. a season. Yeah. And I think at that time, people knew. They were looking for hope. Yeah. They weren't looking yeah. for a, a professional production. Right. They were, they were looking for some answers to what they were dealing with at the time. Right. And so the message became center point. But now you have uh, increased your technology and all that sort of thing, and I'm, uh, and again, it's passion. You got to have somebody to do this that that has a heart for it That's in right. order to do it well. And and uh, you say, Lord, raise that person up. And and I have a, a teaching I do a lot of times. It's called Fish of the Future. Right. Because a lot of times when, when God calls you to do something, you say, well, who's going to help me? Well, they may not even be saved yet. That's right. <laughs> and uh, we've all experienced that. That God, you, you reach somebody, next thing you know, they're the person right there next to you helping you do what God's called you to do. That's right. And and so um, I, I have this saying, I say this often here on the show, I said, how do you launch a dream? And I say, well, you put one foot in front of the other <laughs> and you just go. Now, you want to make sure that, that God's, you know, God's speaking here. That's right. And then you just go. Yep. And God, will he will teach you. He will bring people to join you. I mean, he'll put it all together. He's looking for faithful. That's right. <laughs> you know, when you were talking about youth the other day and some churches not really having youth, you, you need to make room for the youth that you do have. Mm-hmm. Um, inside of our media department that runs all of our audiovisual, runs our sound, runs um, our online presence. Everybody in that department is under 25 years of age. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> but, but you know what? When I, and when I get a new cell phone 
if there's technology that I want to learn, I don't try to figure it out myself. I'll hand it to my 22 year old. Yeah, oh yeah. And you yeah. know what? He'll turn and say, dad, you need to, you need to do this, this, and this. Yeah. And all of a sudden they, he's got to figure it out. <laughs> but I've, I've seen churches that are really becoming multi-generational. Um, and that's, that's, that's a very important thing inside of churches because some churches you go into and, and it's basically the, the adults or the senior adults that are running everything. But if you are multi-generational on your approach, you, you'll turn and you'll have some youth working as, as ushers. They'll maybe working to, um, to be able to pass the offering. They might be working in the greeter ministry, whatever it may be. But when they feel like that they have ownership, yeah, that's then all of word. a sudden they feel good like, hey, you know what, this church is for me. Yeah, that's a good concept, the ownership, because that's what you want. Absolutely. You want people to, to not to say that they own the church, but the, but they're invested in it. That's right. And it's important to them. Yep. Your church has got to be important to you. Yeah, and yeah that, I agree with that totally. And of course, then again, it's passion. It really is. <laughs> Am I saying that too much? No. Because <laughs> passion drives it. If a, if a person truly has a passion, and if you can instill that in passion in the young or, or even the older, it's, it's amazing what can happen when a person abandons their own thoughts and their own drive and say, well, I want to do what God's called me to do, and then God bursts something in their heart, and boy, they're off and running. It's, it's just an amazing thing to me. And it's important for them to be able to know what their passion is, not the expectations that other put upon, others put upon them. It, it's amazing how many people get connected with something because somebody told them they needed to do this. But they're not passionate about uh-huh. it. But they're doing it. They're kind of like filling a hole because somebody recommended for them to be able to do this. But when you connect them with their true passion... Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, you you'll, you'll light a fire underneath them. Yeah, and sometimes uh, they'll have to go through those other things to find that passion. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, God's faithful and, and he's leading. The, the big thing is, is just to say, Lord, you lead the way. I, I, I use that expression a lot of times about the cloud. I say, God, I want to move when the cloud moves. When, when I don't want to move before the cloud moves. I want to move when you, when you move the cloud. That's right. And and uh, I find it works a whole lot better that way. <laughs> You get less trouble, don't you? Well, I mean, I've been pastoring for a long time, and uh, I've I've made my share of mistakes. That's right. And I wish I could say I'll never make another one, but that's not true. But I but I have learned that that if I if I move when God moves, it goes much better than when Jack King decides it's time to move. Yeah. So, but then again, sometimes I get impatient with God. Yeah. Shame on me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've never done that, have you? Oh, it's just a, a time or two. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> I give God all kinds of suggestions. You do. But unfortunately, he's never taken any of them. Oh, my. Imagine <laughs> such a thing. <laughs> but, oh, we love that precious moment when God just moves the veil and yes. just drops it in your heart. And I pray for that. I think, God, I need clarity here. Yes. Because I don't want to move and and find myself out of the will of God. I need I need your direction and uh God you have so many different ways that you speak to us and Lord I I need that because I don't want to be out here just beating my head against a rock. No. <laughs> Not that I haven't done that before. You know, Isaiah says that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And you know, that's an area that we're probably not real good at is waiting. Oh, tell me about it. We live in such an instant society that we want to have it and we want to have it now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you are in the process of making some changes in your church. I mean, we are. Change in location. We are. So four years ago, we had a a facility that we sold. And, And in at the time, every extra dollar that we had went towards the building to be able to keep the building maintained. Um, I'm very mission oriented to where I love supporting missionaries. So when we moved into our, where we're currently at, it enabled us to be able to um, to give more to missions. Last year, we gave 27% of everything that came in went to missions. Wow. And so um, the Lord has opened up a huge door for me to begin to start a feeding program here in the capital city. You know, Jack, I don't know if you're aware of this, but right here in our backyard, the zip code, the 32304 zip code is the poorest zip code in the entire state of Florida. Really? Right here in our backyard. And so I was exposed to a ministry down in um, uh, Miami called Share Your Heart. Share Your Heart feeds about 31,000 families a month. Down wow. There. 
and um, and it's all based on the book of Nehemiah. So I was exposed to this ministry, and um, and I, I I was telling the Lord one day. I said, God, if 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 that's a direction that you want Lifeway to go into, to begin to help partner with churches, because Share Your Heart partners with eight hundred churches in Miami, and they they literally take Dade County for the kingdom of God. Wow! I need to get out of the school. So um, within twenty four hours of praying that simple little prayer, I had a building free and clear on six acres of property offered to me at no charge. The, the ministry that was currently meeting in there, they had dwindled down to less than a dozen people. They had about $30,000 in the bank. And they said, we love what you're doing. And we want you to consider coming and bringing wow, it here. Wow. And we'll turn everything over to you. That's so, amazing. <laughs> so we're in the process of renovating that building because it wasn't large enough for us. Now, we're not enlarging the footprint of it. There was just some unused areas that we could expand into to create right. the sanctuary that we need. Um, but, you know, dealing with the county and dealing you know, with permitting, it's probably going to be towards the end of the year before we get in that building. But this is going to free up funds to do what you're talking about, the, the feeding the hungry. Correct. And uh, the 04, wh- wh- what area is that? So that's down off of Orange Avenue in Monroe okay, Street. Toward the south side, west yeah. side of, of, of town. Let me tell you a little bit yeah. about this feeding program. So th- this feeding program is um, based off the book of Nehemiah. Um, during the time of Nehemiah, Nehemiah had heard that the walls of Jerusalem were torn down and the city, the gates were burned mm-hmm. and that the people were in great distress. And the Bible says that he sought um, um, letters from the king to travel as well as the resources from the king. And he travels back to Jerusalem and he rebuilds the walls and rebuilds the gates of those cities. Um, but he doesn't do it. He employs the people that live around those areas. If you look at the ancient maps of, of Jerusalem during the time of Nehemiah, it's almost identical to the state of Florida. Really? Yeah. So <laughs> when you take those maps and you superimpose them over the state of Florida, there's a map, there's a gate that was right where Tallahassee is. It's called the fish gate. And that's where they would bring the fish from the Sea of Galilee, and they would sell them in the markets, and they they would go all over the Middle East um, from those markets. Um, But if you look at those ancient maps, there's a little box there, and that box is the house of the governor. Really? So during the time of Nehemiah, here you had the governor that was living. That was his house that he stayed in. And then here in Tallahassee, where the fish gate would have been, is the house of our governor. (laughs) That's incredible. But you know what's amazing is that during our time, we don't have a king, but we really have a king over the state of Florida. And that's our governor. Uh-huh. And our governor is behind this program. So when you talk about freeing resources, yes, we need resources. But a lot of our resources that are that are a part of the Share Your Heart Feeding program are coming from our governor. Really? And, um, and it's because our governor recognizes that the issues of Florida can never be solved with state organizations. Uh-huh. The issues of Florida can only be solved with the church. Right. If you have if you have young people that are going through something that is um, um, a, a repeat um, pattern, like generationally, it's amazing how many kids don't go to college because their parents didn't go to college because their grandparents right, didn't go to college. Right, they right. have no faith for college. Right. Well, if you begin to affect the church and the church begins to affect you know their ability to dream, now all of a sudden they have hope. Now, is there uh, somebody locally heading this up? You're talking to them. <laughs> well, then we've got another show to do. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, unfortunately, this one is just about to end. We always uh, close a broadcast out with prayer. And Father God, I thank you for Brother Eli and, and just him being here and the things he shared with us tonight. Father, I just pray over Lifeway Church. Father, I pray over our city. I pray for our state. Father God, I pray for America and I pray for peace in the streets of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. And Lord God, we give you glory and praise in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Brother Eli, it's been great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. We'll, it's been we'll, an honor, Jack. We've got to get back and talk about this feeding thing. Absolutely. And until Absolutely. next Sunday morning, may the Lord bless you.